people have a really good perception of if a video is good or not based off of that first little bit. And that's gonna determine how you get ranked in the algorithm. So that needs to be the best, most interesting, most compelling part of your video. So you can either start with something that happened at the climax of the video and say like, this crash was insane. Or you can tell them how you're gonna solve a problem. Welcome to the EarFluence podcast, where business and brands can learn to amplify their expertise. I'm Cece Huffman, producer at EarFluence, and with me today is Carson Barclay, for his first time being on the podcast, video engineer at EarFluence, and Aaron Limpany. That's it. Nice. Nailed it. A freelance videographer here in Raleigh, and you have a company as well called... Rhymes Video. Rhymes Video. So in this episode, we're going to talk about what you can do to up your video production game for your podcast and create engaging content for your audience. So thanks for coming on, Aaron. Thanks for having me, CC and Carson. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah I'm excited to be here. Just as, so you know, Jason has been hosting a lot of these recently, and so I haven't gotten to be on one. And this is Carson's first episode ever. Mm-hmm. First podcast. So I have a feeling this is going to be a good one. Yeah, we're just gonna put you guys through your through your hoops, Carson. See how you do. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. I think you'll be great. I yeah, think you'll be yeah, great. You can so talk. Too. I've heard it before. Yeah, yeah. So you should be off to a good start. Yeah. So thank you for coming on here. I guess first, tell us a little bit about you, what you do. Um, give us a little background before we get into the actual video component of the episode. Yeah, absolutely. So I like hats. That's my thing. Nice. Um, no, I, I grew up in Fuquay, so very close to Raleigh. This is my home, and I love this city. And so when I got out of the military in 2015, I came back to the area, and I wanted to start making a difference with some of the businesses. So I was in school at the time. I was doing engineering. I knew I didn't want to do math for a career. And yeah, I, I listen, I agree. Well, my whole my whole family's engineers. I thought I just had to bite the bullet and live the family, you know, legacy. Uh, no. Uh, so uh, I had an opportunity working with my college gig. The owner of that company was starting a marketing startup. And I was like, hey, I'm going to pitch you a job position and salary. You're trying to do a lot of video marketing. I can help you with that. He's like, can't pay you that, but I can offer you a stake of the company. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we took that and ran with it. There were several co-owners and I was kind of ground floor, like helping build that organization. And so we scaled very quickly to seven figures, uh, all off of organic video. And so we went on YouTube, we were doing educational content for the junk removal industry and it worked. And that business became very successful and it showed me the power of making content that fits in that particular niche. It showed me the power of having a founder or a lead face who had done the work and who had gotten there. And that magic combination created this system where like people could actually learn and and replicate the results. And from there, I decided to start Rhymes because I was like, hey, I can do this for other business owners. And that's what we've been doing since. Nice. What's the most interesting thing you learned about junk removal? (laughs) I kind of got stuck on that. (laughs) Have you ever seen the TV show Hoarders? Yes. Okay. Junk removal at its like worst is that. So cleaning up, you know, hoarder houses. Uh, There was an incident when I was with that company that a buddy of mine was driving a truck one day and uh, he ended up pulling two homeowners and his fellow partner out of a house and this, they all passed out. And this place, this place got shut down. The entire apartment complex was blocked off. This was like local and regional news Uh in the area a few years back. And, uh, 
it wasn't anything dangerous. Hazmat came from like three different cities and Carrie Hazmat's like, nope, it just smells really bad and they couldn't handle it. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. I didn't know you could pass out from just like something smelling really bad. It's got to be really bad. Yeah. I think that might have been a first in the country. Yeah. But it was quite the story. Well, I'm glad that you didn't have to find out what it was. Yeah, I was happy for him to take that. Yeah, we're all content. Ignorance Mm -hmm. is bliss. Yeah. So to the video part of what you were talking about, you talked about creating stuff that is engaging, that helps people find their audience, and that, to me, the biggest word that you used is, and if I don't think I want to say the word right, even though you said it, replicable. Yeah. So, like, I think so many people tend to think that the internet is, like, a free-for-all. You kind of just post, and sometimes things do really well, and sometimes they don't, and you just, the strategy to get there is kind of unknown and ambiguous. So, Talk to me about how it's replicable. You know, how, how, what are some of the strategies that you use to make it, you know, people be able to use it and repeat it? For sure. And I'm glad you're bringing up the word strategy because ultimately it comes down to kind of a multi-pronged approach. You need a few key ingredients. You need to, and this is in an area where you're trying to teach people to do something else, right? So like if you're if you're a coach, if you're selling an online course, if you're selling an information product, something like that, you need to either be a person or have a person on your team who has achieved the results that you are talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't, then you're a fraud. Like straight up. <laughs> okay, don't sugarcoat uh, it, yeah. please. But there's, <laughs> there's people out there who like, from the early days of the internet would sell that. And so I think the misconception became from that, that, hey, you can go online and like in two weeks you can learn how to do this thing. And then you can walk other people through it too and teach them how to do it. And you can make a bunch of money off of them. And that was taught in a lot of popular books. Mm -hmm. Well, people have gotten smarter and there's a lot more quality content out there. And so people are starting to be able to tell the difference between someone who is pretending so that they can make money and someone who actually knows their stuff. So that's ingredient number one. You have to have successfully achieved the result you want to teach. Number one, don't be a fraud. Yeah. Good start. (laughs) That's a great way to sum it up. Yeah. Number two is you need to have a compelling story behind that. So you can say, hey, I I made a million dollars on the stock market. Cool. Did you get lucky? I don't mm-hmm. know. So tell me your story. Be like, I like tried trading for five years and nothing right. worked until I did this. If that's a true story, great. Tell that story. That's a good lesson learned. You're circumventing those five years for everyone you're teaching. That's valuable. And then number three is being able to speak to your audience in a way that they can relate to. And that means being on the right platform. So it's a platform you understand and it's a platform where your audience is. You don't want to go on TikTok and try and sell gold or like right. retirement homes. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to work. <laughs> please, please come to our um, our care center for 55 and up for the teenagers that are on there doing get ready with me. Right. Unless their yeah. parents are very, very old for, you know, having <laughs> right. teenage kids. That's not going to be a good thing. Um, and the teenager probably doesn't want to think about that anyway. Yeah. So you got to meet your audience where they are. You got to have the right story to tell and you have to not be a fraud. You have to have actually lived it. Um, for other businesses, you know, you have service businesses. They're making an offering. They don't They don't need to be like the expert teacher. But for a local service business or a national product brand or anything like that, you're not just using content marketing to show what you do. Like that is an important first step. And that's a good place for videos to live on your website, for you to do written content about it, for you to to have these base videos that are like, hey, we do this, we offer this, we make this, great. 
you need to start talking to your customers about other things they care about. So if you're a roofer, like make videos about how to tell if your roof is damaged or installed incorrectly or how to spot a leak before it's too late and starts hurting your drywall. Help people out, give people that value up front. That's how you get them on board. So it's about this strategy of like, who am I as a company? What am I trying to get people to do? And how can I establish that expertise on the right platform? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, like, I feel like every company nowadays needs that video strategy to kind of get to their audience. I mean, you can be, like you said, a roofing company. They need to go to their audience and they need to find the right spot to get to it, it either if it's on a Facebook group or just something on it, just getting to the right people. And it's very important for every company. Definitely think so. Yeah, it used to be like you could have like an ad that would run on TV on the local news channel at whatever time about like, look at this roof. Isn't it so pretty? Call us about our roof. The end. But that doesn't cut it anymore. And particularly for podcasts, it's for something that started out as audio only. It's not that way anymore. Like we've got three cameras in here. We're recording video because we're going to use this beautiful strategy that he just talked about (laughs) to promote this episode. And there's a lot of pressure now for people who maybe started with their podcast years ago and were doing audio only to have really good video. So like, obviously we know they need to have it. What, what is, are you hearing that people really need now, like whether it be equipment or whether it just be general knowledge, like what do people need to get started doing video for their podcast? Absolutely. And you two both just spoke to that and it's strategy and distribution. So if you understand those two things, you can put the rest together as you go. So let's dive into that a little bit. Your strategy again is like, Hey, I ultimately want customers. So does everyone. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not a strategy. (laughs) Yeah, everyone just wants money. Yeah, exactly. If you're (laughs) approaching it that way, you're going to be transactional and the content you make is going to be transactional Mm -hmm. and you're going to try and convert everyone on every piece of content. One of the biggest mistakes I see people making is they make a video that's like, oh yeah, yeah, we offer this. So call us to sign up. You haven't sold anyone. Like you're trying to do the entire sales process in one video that way. So slow down and say, what is that customer asking? Like, what do they need to know on a daily basis that's either directly related or tangential to my product or service offering? So for example, I have a client that's a dental lab in Cary, and they do great work on these like full arch replacements, which is when someone gets all the rest of their remaining teeth taken out, they get implants put in and a oh, whole new separate oh in. I've had so mouth. many teeth removed, I don't even want to think about that right now. Yeah. Well, this this is a great yeah. thing to look into, yeah. for you, honestly. <laughs> But it's a, it's a like zirconia. It's supposed to last mm-hmm. a long time, if not a lifetime. And it's a really quality arch that gets put in. Mm-hmm. They design these digitally. It's a 3D scan of your mouth that gets sent in. It's really cool technology. Wow. But <laughs> You're selling us on it now. We I both am. have full yeah. sets of teeth at the moment. Oh, perfect. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this is for down the <laughs> road. But uh, uh, one of the big things for them is a lot of dentists don't know how to use the scanners properly because they've never been taught to do that. And Mm -hmm. it's a frustration for them Mm -hmm. because they're trying to do this surgery and basically have, once they put those implants in, a temporary set of teeth to give their patient that day. And if they're quick enough and they do the scan accurately, they can do that. But what happens is a lot of them will scan and then they can't 
scan accurately. So the lab is like, we can't make your teeth. And then you're toothless. Right. Disaster. And then, yeah. And their patient's <laughs> like, you told me I was going to walk out of here with yeah. some teeth. They can't do it. So what they've started doing, what we started doing with them is making videos that are like, hey, here's how to scan for this type of patient. Here's what happens mm. if your scan isn't working. Mm -hmm. Here's how to tell if you've done a good scan. So what they're saying is ultimately, we know how the scanner works. Everyone, trust us. Well, not only that, because yeah. it's the dentist that has to use it, but they're just giving the dentist that free value. Mm -hmm. And they're mm -hmm. saying, here's how to send in a good scan. And all of a sudden that dentist is like, oh, okay, they do that. Boom, the teeth are back that same day. I just tried to snap and couldn't. So how about that? <laughs> uh, teeth are back the same day. So now they're like, oh, this lab is great for information. I'm going to follow them. Then they start getting more information from this lab and they realize, oh, their stuff is better than the lab I'm using. Now they're a convert. Mm -hmm. mm. um, so what we've done with them is we've paired that content strategy. And then about six months into their new content strategy, I was like, it's time for you guys to run an ad for this product that you're selling. They had a new mill to like mill these even faster. They can put the product out faster. It's a better one. And they're selling at a great price point. I was like, let's do an ad. So then we do a really high-end ad and we target dentists essentially across like meta platforms. And two months in, they've like tripled, quadrupled their uh, start of these processes. And dentists are calling them every day and they're like, hey, we saw your ad and then we saw another like cut down of that ad. And I was like, I'm going to check these guys out. And I went and watched every video on your Instagram and I immediately wow. called you. It was like, yeah, that's because we put a plan in place. You had a strategy. You gave them value. They trust you. They see the product. Boom, they call. So that's an example of like how you create an entire video strategy that is all leveling up to that eventual sale without focusing on trying to make that sale at any point. Slay. I'm wow. very overwhelmed by all of that information. That is, I'm, it makes so much sense the way that you explain it, I must say. And I feel like for so many people, even for me, who had an idea generally of how, how this all works, because I mean, we do it for our clients. And I know, like, I can feel what's right and what's wrong, but the way that you explain it is so clear and so helpful. Mm -hmm. um, do you have anything you want to add to that? Answer no, I, I it sounds so clear when you say it. <laughs> I, I definitely couldn't say the same. Yeah, but I think that f for podcasts in particular too, that slow build is very important. Like mm -hmm. that you're talking about with, we we slowly released this and we talked about this before we even did an ad for X, Y, or Z. And building that amount of trust with your audience is key for a podcast too. A lot of our clients, because we mainly do B2B kind of podcasting, a lot of our clients ultimately do have something that they're working on and do have something that they want to sell. And they don't know when they should talk about it or how they should talk about it. But it sounds like with a good strategy, once you get people to trust you and understand that you have the expertise in this area and that, you know, you know this better than anybody else and here's why and here's how I can solve your problems, you have a much better conversion when you start to really say, aren't you interested in this, this thing that I've made? And I think that's one of the things you're talking about with a podcast as well is like podcasts. The reason people listen to them is because they're walking away with value. Right. Mm -hmm. And you get this with both podcast video, any type of content. Well, I will say some of the podcasts, some of them I'm definitely listening to. I'm like, this isn't valuable, but I'm having a good time, you know? Right. But <laughs> Which yeah. is valuable. Exactly. To a degree. <laughs> so, and that leads right in, you're talking about, you know, different things that you take away. You've got the, the educational component. So mm -hmm. some podcasts are purely educational. Some are entertainment. And some are inspiration. 
you know, like Jay Shetty, for example. Right. And so if you can combine those three in some way, either edutainment or edutainspiration, <laughs> never going to, never going to catch on. But if you can do that, where you can, you can entertain someone, you can give them value that they can walk away and implement. And they're feeling inspired where they're like, yeah, I have a reason that I want to do this. Like you are blowing their mind. They're going to mm-hmm. be a subscriber and whatever you sell, they're going to want to be a part of, or at least promote. Cause they're like, I like them. So yeah, if you, if you change your thinking from I'm trying to find customers to like, I'm trying to help people mm-hmm. and that demographic is aligned with people who either know my customers or are my customers, it's going to work. Yeah, I think coming from a place of not like sell, 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 but like trying to build a relationship with whoever it is who you're, who's listening to you makes a big difference. And on that building the relationship point, there are a lot of our clients – I think this is specifically podcast video. A lot of our clients who aren't totally sure if they want to do video yet or if they want to be on video. And I cannot tell you how many times, and I'm going to send this video to some of you specifically. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot tell you how many times that I've told them how valuable it is for people to be able to see you, not just listen to you, but be able to see you and hear you and the level of trust that you can build from being able to talk to people face to face. You're building a better connection with your audience by being on video. They're seeing you, they're seeing you go through, you know, what you're talking about and through all the emotions of it, or if it's funny or anything. And I think it's important for people to kind of show themselves other than it just being a little, little audiogram. Right. A disembodied voice. Yes, exactly. Yeah. One of the interesting things I found with those people that typically say, hey, I'm not good on video. I don't want to be on video. Is they're the absolute best on video. Yeah. That part too is also very annoying. Yeah. Well, you think about why. When you have an actor, a good actor, you have either method actors who are feeling that emotion or you have actors who are perfectly capable of replicating all the things that those emotions display. If you have someone who says they're not good on video, I found it's typically that, number one, you have some nerves. But number two, they think they have to present in a particular way. Mm -hmm. And so they're focused on trying to do that. And if you can draw them into themselves and just get them focused on something else, their personality comes out and their emotion is much more raw because they're not like controlling themselves as much as someone who's good on video. Mm -hmm. Like I grew up doing some acting. I am on video a lot. And I think about how I appear on video. So a lot of my gestures, a lot of my posture, a lot of my voice modulation is conscious. The best people are the ones who don't have to do that. Yeah. And it's like. Just show up as they are. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's the most authentic. Yeah. That's a very valid point. So everybody that I sent this to, there's your answer. It's not just me (laughs) who thinks this. It is valid. Listen to Cece. Uh, yes. Honestly, th- we'll just end the show there. That's the uh, end of the episode. Um, so for people, though, who don't have somebody like you who can come in and say, here's how we're going to make you super successful or whatever you're trying to do, super successful, your business, whatever. Um, what are some things that they can do on their own? Like you've talked overall about the strategy that you take, but like in a very simplified version for getting this best video content, what are some things that people can do? Absolutely. That's the beautiful thing about content marketing is that social media is made for content of all types. And if you especially are a smaller brand, which are typically the ones that maybe don't have the budget for like high-end video production, it's not expected of you. 
what's expected is that you're going to show what's going on. So Mm -hmm. tons of local businesses use your phone. Like your phone has an excellent camera. Mm -hmm. You don't have the same control that you do with a cinema camera. But if you haven't been trained to do that, it's not going to help you anyway. Yeah, the video is going to turn out bad even if the mm-hmm. camera is good. Yeah, right. for sure. So let the let your phone, whatever iPhone, Samsung, whatever you got, let that handle its settings. And there are audio tools out there. Like if you don't have a mic, for example, uh, you can use your little headphones that plug in. And if your audio still isn't great, you've got AI tools like Adobe Podcast. Yes. I was about to say that. I was like literally thinking about that. That's exactly what you should be using if you need to do that. How have you found that to work? I mean, honestly, it's amazing with using the AI, Adobe AI. I feel like I'm about to plug them, but like... Um, <laughs> and now we'll have a quick great. ad read. No, yes, just kidding. Exactly. We're not sponsored. No, it, it's, it's great. I mean, it really, really changes the audio world with that. I think anyone can do it, like he said, to be able to create their own ads for them by just by using their phone and then just using the Adobe AI. And it's free. Like you literally go online, you put in your email address and you can use Adobe podcast and it will take really bad, dirty audio and mm-hmm. make it usable. Yeah. And it'll make decent audio and make it sound almost studio quality. Like it is, I've used it on projects where I've had clients that like took a video in a crowded hotel lobby and forgot to plug their mic in and it cleaned it. It's like, like sorcery. It yeah. is. That used to take hours and hours and hours and you couldn't get it perfect. Yeah. And sometimes you still couldn't use it at all. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it was just too bad. Like, we lost it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you have tools like that that can that can make the actual product cleaner. But with content marketing in general, you don't need to be producing these super high-end ads. You need to be solving a problem and you need to be showcasing either your personality or whoever your spokesperson's personality is. And so you can do that with a phone and creative storytelling, creative designs. Um, you look at a creator like Connor Price. He's a musician and he does these setups where he plays most of the characters in these setups and he's his own producer. So he'll, you know, have his producer sitting at a board and he has an interaction where he has both sides of the conversation and his scenarios are super creative and hilarious. And he'll have like this fake weird brother that's sitting there Mm -hmm. who's, you know, drilling a a carrot and he plays the carrot as a flute and that gets used in the music and people love this stuff. So come up with your own scenarios that you can use to either display something cool that you're doing or think of a problem that your customers have, a core problem, and make a bunch of videos approaching that from a million different directions and think of a creative way to frame that and publish that. And with enough good storytelling and a creative solution, you don't need to have the highest end production value on social. Yeah. I love that. It is... It's so much easier, I think, than a lot of people think. And Mm -hmm. the barrier to entry, like you said, has just decreased so much. Like, even a couple years ago, when podcasts really kind of started popping off around, like, what, 2017, I think, is when they really kind of hit their stride. Mm -hmm. You just needed, like, when people were doing YouTube, because that was the video back then. It was only YouTube. And you had to have, like, a camera and a mic. And all your videos also had to be, like, seven minutes long. And what do you talk about for seven minutes, If especially if you have an iPhone from 2017? Like, you can't, you can't do that. But now everybody has the ability to do something like that very easily if they just get a little bit more creative with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How do you stay creative? Yeah, so there's a couple of ways. Um, and they're kind of opposites. Okay. Number one is I 
put away my phone and get rid of all distractions. And the other way is I get on my phone and get inspired. <laughs> so, but you've got to commit fully to one or the other. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, you have to commit fully to one or the other at a time. So one of the things is like, you just have to make enough space throughout the day to be able to think. And yeah. that's honestly mm-hmm. big challenge. I people. was literally talking to Jason about that this morning, about how I'm really struggling with making time to actually do my work. Like between all the other stuff that we have to do, like Mm -hmm. when am I supposed to actually do things or think about anything? And it's, it's hard because if you're waiting in line somewhere, our habit now is like, pull out the phone and look at it. What I would say is if you're trying to be more creative, be intentional. If your phone is out, watch videos either that are similar to ones that you could make. So similar, look up similar brands, similar companies uh, look up creators, look up what's trending, like get information or just get out your notepad and look around you and get inspired by something. So like I look around this room and I see plants on the wall. I see plants here. It makes me think of like a jungle. So I'm like, all right, how could I tie in a jungle theme to my next video? I'd need some sort of like an outfit, you know, kind of Tarzan. You're kind look. of on the way to the jungle theme with outfits right I now. Yeah. But I, I look more like one of those like British guys who would go and steal artifacts. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not the vibe I'm going for. But yeah, you could go with yeah. something like that where it's like, all right, now that's an idea for a video. How about steal, uh, steal other people's content? Mm-hmm. And so I dress up like the British guy and I go into the jungle and I'm like, oh, I'm out here to find you know, some content ideas. How am I going to take this and make it my own? <laughs> like, boom, right there. That's a video for for my business. Yeah. Um, so it's just like literally looking around and saying, how can I tie this in? And go down that path. And if it doesn't work, be like, all right, find something else. Let's see if this works. Um, the other thing is I like to start videos with the metaphor that I'll use. Mm-hmm. So especially in educational videos or edutainment videos, having some sort of a subplot going on and having some sort of a metaphor is excellent. So um, if I'm talking about someone getting treated coldly and, you know, trying to warm them up to you, I'm going to have themes of like ice cubes and fire. Mm -hmm. And like as the video goes on, we're going to progress from like me shivering in a freezer to like starting a fire and making that and warming myself up because that's emphasizing the theme and also giving a visual interest throughout. Mm. So it's just very simple stuff that you can bring to the screen. And again, none of that requires having fancy equipment. Mm -hmm. It can help in certain cases if you're trying to increase your brand perception. But like, if you don't have it, you don't have the budget for it, don't worry about it. Focus on that story. Focus on on helping the people that you're trying to talk to. Yeah, I love that. I think that the notes app thing especially, I used to do that a lot. And you just reminded me that I don't anymore. I used to be my notes, you'd just scroll through and be like, what does any of this even mean? But in, in that moment, it meant a lot. So let's talk logistically a little bit. We've talked a lot overall and we've talked some about strategy, but like concretely, we talked about people being able to use their phone for these videos, but we also mentioned some creative things like ice and fire and like, what if you don't know how the hell to put that in your video? What kind of software can you use on your phone to edit? What kind of software can you use on your computer to edit? Can we give people some tiers? Can we give people some, you know, easiest moderate expert kind of level stuff that they can use? Absolutely. Yeah. And all of that's dependent on budget level too. So most phones now will either come with or have an easily downloadable free uh, video editing app. Um, Even like TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, all of them have some sort of built-in editor where you can at least stitch clips together. You can add text. Um, One of my favorite apps for social media content is the captions app. 
Um, it's not very expensive. Uh, it's, I think a monthly subscription now, but it's like 10 bucks maybe. Hmm. And the amount of time it saves you is insane because it will accurately transcribe your videos and even high-end software like Adobe Premiere, when it transcribes, it messes up a lot of words. I have to do a lot of fixing. Mm -hmm. Captions will get like medical terminology. Oh, wow. Like those, the dental stuff I was talking about. It knows. It's, it's called an all on X and it has like little dashes and mm -hmm. the capitalization. It gets that. That's wow. crazy. So the AI on captions is really good. Yeah. And it lets you pre-program some styles in. It lets you automatically highlight words. And even professional editing software, like that takes a long time mm -hmm. to do. You have to do it manually in there. So any of my social stuff, I export from Premiere or DaVinci and I send it to captions. Definitely recommend that one and spending the money on it. Other software. So you're talking about like the ice and fire. The easiest way to do that is physically just get an ice tray and like <laughs> pretend like you're cold and then go online, find a sound effect that's either free or you can get an Envato subscription for like 10 bucks a month again. Yeah. And you can get ice cracking sound effect. Someone's got it on there. Or you can stick your phone in the freezer and crack some ice. Like whatever, however you need to get that sound effect, just add that. That'll give people the idea that like, oh, it's cold. Um, shiver a little bit. And then starting the fire. Set your camera up in like a wide shot and, you know, chop some firewood or throw it into a fire pit or a fireplace. You know, show yourself striking a match. Do a tight shot of striking the match. Um, but be very careful and don't burn your house down. Yes, please don't burn your house down. <laughs> uh, and, uh... So you can, you can do these things. The more you can do practically in camera, the easier your life's going to be. But use whatever editing software you have. It's not, it doesn't need to be perfect. I literally watched a video yesterday where this guy was like finishing a, a final shot and it's just his face and he stares at the camera and he voices over and he goes, I wanted to do zooming out from a storybook, but I didn't know how to do that. I'm like, it's hilarious. <laughs> people love that. And so yeah. people comment about that. And it it's ends like, up being yeah. the best part of the video. I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. So he like, you get engagement from just admitting like, I don't know how to do this. It's funny. Mm -hmm. um, and then you still get credit for having that idea. People are like, that would have been a good ending. Yeah. So yeah, literally just work within those constraints um, is a good exercise to do. I think from just from that answer and from what you said earlier too, but the, some of the biggest things are don't be afraid, be creative and make whatever you want. And also just be honest, be yourself, be transparent about everything and then eventually that does lead to that engagement that you're looking for to so that you can talk to people about whatever specifically it is that you're doing it's very vague but there's a lot it's i'm trying to apply it to everybody but i think the one element that might need to be added onto that is that there is still and there's an increasing um level of storytelling that's needed mm -hmm. even in shorts that so was gonna like, be my next question oh perfect please <laughs> no no not, no go 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 <laughs> So, so one of the interesting things is like with shorts, people talk about, oh, attention spans are so down because people are watching shorts. This is not the case. Like, it's just not true. Listen, sometimes it does feel like mine is a little short. I'm not going to lie. Right. But what, it, what actions are you taking? What? Well, okay. This is a sidetrack. I had TikTok. I watch it all the time. And then I got rid of it. And then all of a sudden, two months later, I was reading full books and watching full movies without getting my phone out. Then I got TikTok again. And now I'm struggling with that. So I do feel like it has having some sort of effect on my brain. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there is there a time when you have watched something and been really into it and haven't felt the need to get out TikTok? Yes. Yes. That's my point. Is there that is. is that yes, if you have like an intermediate distraction, obviously that can play in, but I also think I have ADHD, but that's not been diagnosed, that, but <laughs> that's unrelated. So asterisk. Yeah. But but 
my my point is that like people will sit down and watch they'll binge watch shows they'll binge watch movies they'll they'll read a book they'll whatever they're actually interested in up to the point that it gets really boring they'll pay attention and then when it starts getting boring they're like I don't want to do this mm-hmm. the same is true with shorts but think about the investment versus reward if you go to a movie theater you've made an investment of time money travel like you've invested a lot into going mm-hmm. and seeing this movie so you want it to be good. And if it's not good, you're like, man, I just wasted all of that. I'm really upset about it. But you're still probably not going to walk out of the theater. You're going to see it right. through to the end because, like, you're already there. Um, if you do walk out, then it was really, really, really bad. Have you ever walked yeah. out of a movie before? I don't think I ever have. I have. I have Would you walk out? Batman yeah. versus Superman. That, that I walked out, like, 12 minutes, and I was like, what is this? I was like, I cannot believe it. I just wasted my time. And I bought my fiance's ticket, too. So I was like... Great. Now I just spent like $24. And you left her in the theater. I mean, that's yeah, just- I just left her. It's like, bye. I'm I haven't out. seen her since. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I walked out of the Green Inferno. That movie was just very violent. Oh. I don't need to talk about it. It was crazy. Anyway, mm. continue. Sorry. I've seen neither of those movies and yeah, I'm now and happy I chose not yeah. to. Yeah. All right. Well, that's validated my life choices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the things with, with TikTok is like, or Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts, people are looking at that video and they have the opportunity to swipe immediately. Yeah. Even if you're watching a long form video on YouTube, you at least have to like choose the thumbnail and title. Mm-hmm. You know that there's something like you see You have what to that pick, actively pick versus mm-hmm. like next. Like, it's just showing you. Yeah. yeah. So if you're just shown something, you have to decide quickly, is this worth my time? And so that hook, the like first two seconds thing, the first thing people see, the first thing people hear is so important. So what I tell clients and how I shape scripts that they give me is like, that is your title thumbnail. Like everything depends on that little bit for that video. And so how many seconds is it? Like it's two within two seconds, seconds. within mm-hmm. two seconds. Like okay. really, it you is, got two seconds literally to make it good. And it's a first impression. So like the colors that are on screen first matter, the appearance on the screen matters. Like, what type of shot it is, what you're showing, what you're doing. Like you can, people have a really good perception of if a video is good or not based mm-hmm. off of that first little bit. And that's going to de- determine how you get ranked in the algorithm. So that needs to be the best, most interesting, most compelling part of your video. So you can either start with something that happened at the climax of the video and say like, this crash was insane. And then people are like, what crash was what was insane. Like you get the curiosity going. Or you can tell them how you're going to solve a problem. You're like, this is how you open this really difficult to open box. They're like, okay, yes, that's the problem I'm having. So like you have different ways to approach it, but that hook needs to set up viewer expectations and say, you're getting this out of this video. Mm-hmm. And then you tell a story that rises to that climax and you do that all within a span of 60 seconds. So that storytelling element is really important. And that's what's going to get you those viewers if you're doing short form content. So we're talking about all the equipment. We're talking about what you can do with an iPhone. Just focus on what is my viewer most interested in from this video and how do I compress compress that into two seconds and then tell a story. That's That's the real difficult part. Yeah. And that's also the most critical aspect of the whole thing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The most important it. two seconds of your whole life. Yes. Every day. Yes. <laughs> the good news is with shorts, you haven't invested as much time. So if it flops, eh, yeah. you can try it. And also, sometimes if it flops, you can try posting it again later at mm-hmm. a different time. And maybe it'll just blow up. Like we've had videos, because we have some of our, we post some of our clients' videos. We've had videos that we post of our clients 
get thousands and thousands of views. Reels get thousands of views and theirs don't get as many. Or one time we had a client, we they posted theirs. They got 20,000 views on their reel. We got 500. It's also just kind of, that's the aspect of it. It is sometimes a bit of a free-for-all. Yes. But there are things that you can do to kind of mitigate that really big discrepancy in who and when and how, I guess. It's like that thing about luck is where you know, preparation meets opportunity. Yeah. So it's like there is, it's an algorithm. Like it is determining what content is going to rank and Mm -hmm. no one knows the, you know, hundreds of thousands of factors that go into what pieces get selected. But there are things you can do to make sure that you are consistently putting out good stuff. And eventually that means at least one or two of those are going to get picked up and start expanding your audience. And then when it's not a part of the algorithm and somebody sees one that you make and wants to go and watch the rest of them, then you can keep those people there because all the videos that you have are already good. Exactly. And interesting. You're making the videos for the people, not the algorithm. Yes. So... Since we're talking about B2B marketing, this is a B2B marketing podcast ultimately, what's the biggest marketing mistake that you've either seen or that you've made, been a part of, just the biggest one you can think of? Yeah, so I've been very fortunate in my marketing career to not have had anything that was utterly devastating. Oh, good. That's That's a great way to start. (laughs) Yeah, Um, so that, you know, most most people at some point, and probably I will at some point, you you end up getting involved in a project. It either gets cut off too soon. You know, there was flawed thinking involved. Mm-hmm. There was execution didn't go according to plan. Someone missed something. Like that Something's kind of wrong. thing happens. Right. Yeah. And usually it's not the end of the world. Everyone usually has something where it causes at least a panic. I've been fortunate where that's not the case. <laughs> I have I have been in situations. I was creative director on a project um, that was supposed to be basically a global engagement video for employees at a, at a company. And no pressure, just everybody all around the world watching the video. Right. And, and this was, you know, to increase like internal engagement. This was to get people excited about working for the company to make them feel like they were a part of something. And, um, I was working with a team from an organization that had a really good idea. It involved, you know, some artists and these pretty cool installations that were inspired by things employees had said. Mm -hmm. And so that was supposed to be it. And it got a little top heavy in terms of executives wanting to Mm -hmm. be a part of the video and inject their own thoughts and read directly from the brand book. I'm sending this part to people too. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Don't read from your brand book, please. (laughs) That's a guideline. Please don't (laughs) do that. But it ended up being this like ebb and flow. It was like these beautiful, awesome employee interactions and like art that was created from their ideas. Mm-hmm. And then like an executive sitting in an office, like regurgitating information that everyone had heard a hundred times. Yeah. And so it just did not do what it was supposed to. Cause everyone's like, well, this isn't about me anymore. It's like really mm-hmm. high highs and really low lows. And right. it's not about it. All of a sudden in that circumstance too, you're not a person, you're not an employee. Like they want you to be. Now you're the book almost to a degree like you're objectified to the cog right in the machine right yeah it's now we featured all these executives and like maybe one or two employees actually got screen time and the whole point was that it was about like this art piece representation matters yes Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah if if i'm like hey we're gonna we're gonna do this project that's about you two and like my face is on the screen for ninety percent of it. You're like, that's not about me. Yeah. So. Yeah, you might be talking about me. You might be saying things that apply to me. But if you're not, if I don't see myself in the video, it's mm-hmm. not gonna work. 
Right. Yeah. And I think the the key takeaway from that was like, if you have if you have a stated mission for a piece of content and a stated audience, that is the most important thing. Like, make sure that that video is about that topic and for those people. And if something in that is going wrong, cut it out, like redo it because it's not going to work. I think overall, the most important thing is, yes, have these strategies, but it's also not nearly as complicated as people think. Or mysterious, I guess, is the word that I'm looking for. It's not nearly as mysterious as people think. And it can be a lot more enjoyable and not scary. And you should try it. That's my synopsis, generally. Yeah, you're 100% right, Cece. Like, I love to relate things in the digital world back to the the real world. Mm-hmm. So if you're a plumber, for example, like let's say we have two plumbers in a town. We got Mario and Luigi. <laughs> Stop, <laughs> wait. And, uh, <laughs> you know, both of them. Can I be Princess Peach in this? <laughs> Perfect, there you go. Yeah, right. Princess Peach needs needs like a faucet replaced at her house. Of course, and, um, classic. Course she, yeah, she thinks she does. She, she's got a leaky faucet. And uh, Mario and Luigi are both plumbers. They charge about the same. They do similar work quality. You know, there's not much different other than one's red and one's green. Mm-hmm. So how does she decide who she's going to go with? Well, Luigi shows up, gives her a quote, leaves. Mario shows up, gives her a quote, and is also like, hey, you know, this faucet is leaking because you have a gasket that's missing. It's like a 25-cent part. If you want to do it yourself, you can buy it on this Mm -hmm. website, and all you have to do is unscrew this thing, install it, and it'll be fixed. And she's like, I can spend 25 cents, and you both quoted me like 150 bucks, and you're giving me this for free? Now you feel as though Mario has just given you this $150 value. Mario is so Mm. much more trustworthy than Luigi. Right. And like Luigi didn't do anything wrong. She called. He he didn't mean to to be dishonest. He said, this is how much I will charge to to fix this and I will fix your issue. And he would have. And that's worth his time to go out and do that. Mario just gave that value for free. Content marketing works the exact same way because all you're doing is giving people the ability to fix a small problem that they have. And saying, look, you can do this. If you don't want to, I'm happy to help you. But you can do this. You can fix this problem. And then when they have bigger problems, who's Princess Peach going to call when, like, her basement is flooding? I'm calling Mario, of course, because he was the one who saved me so much money and told me and so helpful. Right. He probably teached me how the basement plumbing works, too. Exactly. Are you going to leave a review? Oh, five stars. Tell your friends. Yelp, Google, all of them. Yeah, your mom's building a new house. She's like, gosh, I need a contractor who's got a plumber. Who are you going to call? Mario, obviously. Yes. So, like, you have this... You have this expanding web and social media works the same way and people forget that. So like literally just give people helpful information, find stuff where you're like, hey, I can show someone how to do this. I can entertain someone. I can make them laugh. Like anything that you're doing like that shows that you are giving first, shows that you're a trustworthy person, shows that you're real and shows that you're not just there to try and take people's money. That there's something seriously to be said for that. And you can tell the difference mm-hmm. whenever you see somebody who's there to just take somebody's money. You can really see it. So is there anything that you'd like to ask Carson before we get wrapping up? Anything that we missed? No, I think this has been really good. Yeah. Anything that I should have asked you that I didn't ask? I don't think so. All right. Tell us about Rhymes Video, what it's all about. If people want to find it, how can they find it? Absolutely. So Rhymes Video, we are a commercial video production company and we specialize in digital ads. We do high-end brand stories. We tell client testimonials. Basically, if you're looking to tell a story online or on local TV, we do that and we do it really well. 
We specialize in humorous stuff. So a lot of our ads have a funny element because that's what works on social media. Right, because people love to laugh, obviously. Right. So you see like, you know, you got Dr. Squatch type stuff or uh, Mm -hmm. Dollar Shave Club, that kind of vibe. We do that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. We also do full social media plans and uh, video strategies. So essentially if a company's like, we know we need to do video marketing and we have no idea how to start, we will walk you through that entire process and we will leave there, you'll get a plan. And if you wanna do that on your own, that's fine. If you wanna work with us, that's fine. If you wanna hire someone else, that's fine. We're gonna help you create a plan that is right for your business. You can find us at rhymes.video and you can also find me on LinkedIn at Aaron Limpany if you can figure out how to spell it. <laughs> yeah, look at the title. It's there. Perfect. And that's encouragement to watch the uh, Earfluence video on this. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. If, if you're, you're listening, listening to this episode on a podcast app, well, you made it all the way to the end. So go and watch it again on YouTube because this whole video will be on YouTube and check out our clips on social media. Hopefully mm-hmm. Aaron thinks that we did a good job. But Thank you. We'll see. Thank you so much for listening, Carson. Thank you for being on here. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and thank you for joining us, Aaron. Thank you, Cece. Thank you, Carson. This is great. If you are looking for help from EarFluence, you can find us at EarFluence.com. You can follow us on all of our socials. We're at EarFluence Media everywhere. Um, Again, I'm Cece. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.